Let's open our Bibles again to Psalm 82. Psalm 82, which deals again with the subject of civil authority and government. We have read Psalm 11 already, and the foundations there describe the foundations of righteousness of godly civil rulers And I hope that every man in this assembly and every boy in this assembly wants to grow up to be the foundation. That's what you're going to be by marriage, by your position in business, by your position in our society, by your position in the church. You're a foundation. Now, are you a foundation that upholds and supports and defends and bolsters righteousness, godliness, holiness, virtue? Or are you one that disappoints and lets down those high standards that God's given us? They're not our standards. What we think of righteousness or goodness doesn't really count. It's what God considers. And we want to remember that. Psalm 82 addresses the same issue. Asaph is here writing on behalf of David about taking over government. And there is a exhortation to judges in the first few verses, verses 1 through 4, on how they should conduct themselves because God is standing among them. The mighty and the gods, in verse 1, are not pagan idols. They're rulers. They're civil rulers. Verse 5 is a description of the neglect that so many men, the vast majority, make, whether they're civil rulers or whether they're husbands or fathers. And then is God's judgment in verses 6 through 8. Let's all rise and give honor to God's Word as we read the 82nd Psalm in unison. Together. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Very briefly, let me say again, the mighty and the gods of verse 1 are civil rulers, and they are high civil rulers. He is going to tell you that by cheating to the sixth verse when the Lord says, I have said ye are gods. This is the passage that the Lord Jesus Christ quotes in John chapter 10, verses 34 through 36, when he defends his title of the Son of God. These are civil rulers. 
When God bestows authority and that great authority on men like kings, he calls them gods. He calls them the mighty. He is the almighty, and he is God, singular. But they are little gods with a little g, as you have in your King James Bibles. He asks them in the second verse, how long will you judge unjustly? How long are you going to continue on in this course of not fulfilling the office and the authority that I gave you for righteousness sakes? How long are you going to accept the persons of the wicked? This is injustice in courts. This is injustice in judgment, in legislation, and in execution of a nation. He then tells them in the third verse, in the fourth verse, what they ought to be doing. They should be defending those that need defending. They should be doing justice to those that are being persecuted and oppressed by others. They should deliver men who need deliverers out of the hands of the wicked who may have more power than they. And so we have a description of godly justice and rulers and authority. Verse 5, they know not. That's true of our generation in the whole world and in our country. They know not. They do not know what is right, good, true, just. And how many fathers don't. And how many husbands don't. And so while we want to think of what the primary intent of these psalms is, and that is civil rulers, we want to apply it to ourselves. They know not. Neither will they understand. It's a choice to be ignorant. They further themselves in their own ignorance instead of humbling themselves before God's Word. They walk on in darkness. God has given civil rulers light in this book. There is political science taught throughout this book, especially in Proverbs and Solomon by the great Proverbs and Ecclesiastes by the great King Solomon. But there's also great advice here for husbands and fathers. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Presidents, Congress, justices, governors, mayors are out of course. They're not doing what they ought to be doing. But it's also true of fathers. Fathers aren't doing what they should be doing. The foundations of the family are out of course, and so the children and the wife fall to the ground because the father isn't upholding the office God gave him. It's true of the husband and the wife. This fifth verse is a description of why we have the psalm. There was a problem then, and there's a problem now. Let's solve it in our families. Let's solve it in our church, and let's pray for its solution in our nation. Then God says about these that know not and that will not understand, that walk on in darkness, that cause the foundations of the earth that he established by his ordinance to be out of course. He says to them, I have said ye are gods. I gave you a great position. Every one of you boys, as you passed through the birth canal and your head appeared and then your shoulders and then your torso, and then your manhood, and then your legs. That was God's choice to make you a man. And it's a blessed choice. And it's a glorious choice. If 
it be found in the way of righteousness, but if it isn't, it causes a whole lot more damage than a lazy, neglectful, worldly woman. I have said, ye are men. The text is, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. You represent the Most High in civil places of authority. And men, you represent God to your wives and children. But, though I gave you that office, though I exalted you and called you gods, though I addressed you as the closest in function to me by calling you my children in a unique way, ye shall die like men, that is, ordinary men. God never addresses men to be ordinary. God addresses them to be exceptional, but in this case, it is civil rulers who are indeed exceptional by their office. But ye shall die like ordinary, average, scumbag men. You'll be nothing special, though I made you special by office. And you'll fall like one of the princes, one of the ordinary, average princes. Because these were great men. And then the psalmist adds to it, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. If you take every individual nation and go up through the hierarchy of the authority structure of its civil government, you arrive at some very high offices in each nation. But all of those taken together are all subordinate to him who is higher than the highest of them all. He shall inherit the earth. All enemies are going to be put and are being put right now under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Arise, O God, judge the earth. But, O Lord, let not there be cause in this assembly for your judgment on husbands or fathers who are not being the foundations they should be. Bless us as foundations to be faithful and godly and like your children, that our wives and our children, our children's children, and the generation to follow will be blessed mightily by us fulfilling our offices. Lord, help us. Amen. Amen. As is our practice, we want to be steeped in Scripture. There are four passages of Scripture that our brother has decided would be good for our consideration this morning. So I'd like to ask these four brothers to please come in this order and lead us in consideration of these passages. First, Brother Roland Crosby, followed by Brother Leon Carnell. Next, Brother Ed Eldridge. And finally, Brother Jeff Oley. If you brothers would like to come in that order. I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 22. This is one of the two occasions where the Apostle Paul recites the details of his conversion experience. He is in Jerusalem. He has been a preacher for a number of years in Asia Minor and in Macedonia. He's back at Jerusalem. He's in the temple. He has gone to the temple, rather. And he has been accused by some Jews that he has taken Gentiles into the temple and has defiled the place. And so a minor riot has occurred. The Jews grabbed him, were beating him, were going to put him to death, and the Roman uh, ruler of that area, a chief captain, 
saw the commotion, sent soldiers out to grab Paul and rescue him and save his life. And as, he, as they're taking him into the castle, which I suppose is the Roman outpost, Paul says, please let me talk to these people. And so here's his defense. Acts chapter 22. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. And I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters, unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and it shall be told thee all the, of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass that when I was Come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and saw him saying unto me, 
Make haste and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death, and I kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. Amen. Ending our verse. I read another account of the same incident. Acts 26, starting at verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority, and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Amen. We turn to Galatians 1. I have the privilege of reading 11 through 24. Paul is speaking to the churches of Galatia, and he's warning them against false teachers. And he gives a wonderful account of the authority he has and where it came from, not from flesh and blood, but from Jesus Christ. 
And, and I just need to add, in the readings that were given to us, I didn't see him ask Jesus into his heart anywhere. Having been in Armenian, that always jumps out at me. He wasn't standing there waiting for Paul, Saul to knock on the door. He came down in a blinding light that blinded him in his power and majesty. Couldn't help that. Okay, 11 through 24. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many, my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly jealous, zealous rather, excuse me, of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preached the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Amen. Please turn to First Timothy, the first chapter. I'll be reading verses 12 through 17. In the middle of this first chapter, this first epistle to Timothy, with a not much greeting at all or much introduction, Paul goes into exhortations, admonitions, instructions to Timothy, charging him what he needs to do to conduct the war and the warfare, which we heard about last week. And in the middle of this chapter, he takes an aside to tell from a spiritual standpoint what the Lord did for him, and then ends with a a verse of of great praise where he seems to be almost beside himself right in the middle of this chapter. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into his ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus." This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, 
that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in the first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now, unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.